All right, that was quite the intro. It's a great song that you chose. Uh, I'd like to introduce my guest, uh, Moshtal, who I like to uh, call Momo. I'm sure he's not a fan of, of, of my other nickname, <laughs> which, is, which is Moosh, so I'll try to leave that one out of it. But yeah, thanks for being here. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. We've been like trying to get on this for about a week or so now. Yes, Mr. Mohammadi is a very busy boy, so it's hard to it's hard to hard to get him scheduled. But I'm glad that we did finally. <laughs> finally, and thanks also for on having top me. of that, no, it's a pleasure. Uh, thanks for being here. On top of that, we have a really awesome topic to talk about tonight. I'm really excited. Would you like to share with the uh, trillions of folks listening at home um, <laughs> what what our topic is? Yeah, so tonight's topic is service. Service to humanity is one of those things that people do. It is. It's like volunteering with a bigger purpose, maybe? Is that a good way to dumb it down? Yeah, and a way to give back. And studies have also always shown that giving um, makes makes human beings feel the happiest. No matter how much money you have, there's a threshold of, of joy when it comes to comes to having financial uh, means in that way, and 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 it's very short uh, short lived as well. Whereas if you're always giving and doing things for others, I think that's what truly fills your heart and soul with happiness. So I actually want to have you on tonight so we can talk about um, your personal service experience in your life and what's that what that's meant to you. So maybe you want to give people a little bit of a um, an introduction to uh, what maybe. Uh, encourage you to go into that path and also how, what it meant to you once you were there and afterwards? Yeah, for sure. So essentially when like we moved to Canada, I was I got involved with just trying to give back to the community, whether it was just through school or it was uh, through the Baha'i community. Um, I got involved with like a lot of people that was super into like teaching children's classes or doing junior youth groups. So that, that was, that was like the best times of my life. And even like through grade eight to grade 12, I was uh, part of the leadership group uh, in Burnaby neighborhood house. And that really helped out as well. Um, it was a pleasure to see you blossom into a young man, <laughs> a fine, young, respectable yeah, human being. Yeah, from a shaky little from kid. From the animal that you were before, <laughs> my young, impressionable beast that you used to be. <laughs> oh, man, let's not get into those no, times. We won't. Today's, no, today's, about, today's all about good stuff and positivity. We, we'll just, we won't touch on that. Oh, on man. That, on those no, days, great days. memories. Great memories. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. had a very let's, – let's, let's just say – let's just sum, sum that up and say I had a very – um, quick and fast introduction to Mr. Mohammadi over here. Just very in your face, like, I'm here, I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, I was a young, energetic kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, very spunky. Yeah, so anyways, um, but I knew during like those times I wanted to, after high school, I wanted to give a period of my life just for service um whether it was here or what my real passion was to go to haifa and serve and my, israel right yeah to israel that's the, that's the world center of the baha'i faith correct correct all right and that that was the best decision of my life i i can't emphasize like how much i miss it and how much i want to be there all the time but the friendships that came from it and my desire to serve like grew even more as soon as I arrived to Haifa and being around people that had the same vision as you it was it was just another world what what type of folks were there like were they people all from Canada from Burnaby from Vancouver what what type, what types of folks were 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 uh, volunteering or serving there uh, at this location to be honest with you in i served in the gardens department and there was right. a person probably from at 160 people there was probably from at least 40 50 countries that's this 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 place basically brought everyone from every corner of the world together under one common vision basically that's very nice that's that's a very nice worldly situation to be in 
Yeah, I was so nervous going there, though. You, I'm pretty sure you remember as well. Um, just thinking about it, it how, was... How old were you when you left, by the way? Maybe you can tell people. I was... I had just turned 18. It was my first Ooh. time oh, <laughs> leaving home for more than two weeks, Ouch. living on my own abroad. It was... Yeah. It was, what, it kicked who's in. This broad, who's this broad that you're talking about? <laughs> abroad. Oh, oh, my mistake. Sorry. There my, we maybe, go. Maybe the speaker cut out for a quick sec. I didn't catch that. Oh man, yeah, it, it was. It was really. It, it didn't hit me until literally at the airport, where I realized I'm not gonna be seeing my dad. I'm not gonna be seeing my brother, and I'm yeah. not gonna be seeing any of my friends. Mm-hmm. For at least a year and a half, which ended up being almost two years. Whew. And I yeah. had a nice break during that time as well from the from the shenanigans. <laughs> but now I'm back. <laughs> I miss them. Actually, deep down, I truly missed them while they were gone for sure. Oh, it! I I missed home as well. But hey, let me ask you something. What made you overcome the fear, or or maybe not even fear, but the unknowing of, of what it's going to be like to be apart from your dad and your brother and family and friends and really push yourself to make that decision? Because that, without that first impetus, you wouldn't have had, uh, you know, you wouldn't have had what you have now. So what 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 inspired you enough to, to break out of that comfort zone? Honestly, it was the fact that I was able to do something that so many people in the world cannot do specifically mm. the baha'is in iran right they they don't even have the opportunity to even go to haifa israel just because of government conflicts yeah and they can't see the their holy land the baha'is holy land and me being there and me knowing that I'm really privileged to be there and also I'm making my family proud mm-hmm. that that <laughs> that started like to calm me down like literally after a couple of weeks I was like you know what I I have a privilege to be here and I need to make the most of it 100% and, yeah it was it was purely that were you were you worried at all about your brother about your dad or that situation? Because I know before you left, we had some talks about that stuff where it was a little bit of a, of a nerve nerve wracking situation for you, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, not just for you, but like for generally being worried about them and like you know life's living situations. Yeah, for sure. It when when I was home um, for my brother, I was helping him out like as much as I can. <laughs> and for good old, terms, how old was he at the time? He was 14 so he was just entering high school he was in grade nine when i left yeah um so and i was doing um a lot of like the housework because dad's english was not the best Mm -hmm. right so if uh there was calls for doctors for government stuff for housing stuff that needed to be made everything just like fell on my shoulder naturally right right the so, eldest son. Exactly. So that was, it was nerve wracking. It was nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my brother stepped up and. Oh, for sure. And it made him grow a lot. Exactly. Exactly. And it was even worse friends. than you, actually, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, just to give everyone a little bit of a, a context, I was uh, the youth youth uh, program supervisor at the Burnaby Neighborhood House, and both Moshdag and his younger brother Milad came through those youth programs, and so that was not necessarily my first interaction with them, but definitely was my most impactful first uh, interaction with them. So I love how um, Marlene uh, put it: <laughs> Marlene, you were hired you. just because of me. <laughs> yeah, you and a couple other uh, Farsi and afghani speaking boys uh were, were causing a muck but yeah as bad as you were your bro was definitely a, a notch worse <laughs> i think he he's, he's got this like deeply intelligent inside but on the outside he's just a havoc he's like pure havoc maker because he like he was like they're just bored of everything happening around him and he just caused as much destruction as possible around so like as much as i give you a hard time oh my god you were you were actually a lot easier back then <laughs> Yeah, um, you you didn't know my brother back no, then until he joined the program. Yeah, I learned the hard way. Oh yeah, <laughs> you gonna, thought I was love bad. You probably, I love it. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, it, 
Good times, good times. Oh, sorry, let's let's get let's get back on track. That was that was my bad. I took no us on a bit of a tangent there. So, um, so you so now you're in Haifa, Israel. You're in the garden the garden uh department, which is just basically oh. And if people don't know, what's a good website they can go and see awesome pictures of this beautiful, beautiful location? Oh, they could just go Google and just Google, Google Baha'i Baha'i Gardens in Haifa and Baha'i Gardens Haifa. And you know. Eighth wonder the, of the world, they call it, right? Eighth wonder of the world, I think it's been uh, classified. Yeah, maybe yeah. unofficially. Unofficially, I think. Yeah, yeah. but it's the most beautiful garden in in the world, in my opinion. And I'm not saying that because hey, I'm buddy. a Baha'i or <laughs> I was there, but I would like I understand the level of effort and work that needed to go into that. Because Lots of detail I hear, right? Lots of intricate details. Oh, a lot of it. There, I'll tell you this. There okay. is about a in in Haifa alone, because there's a few different gardens around Israel right. um, that the gardens department takes care of. But just in Israel alone, in those terraces um, that basically face Mount Carmel, mm-hmm. the Ark. There, Basically, yeah, the, that whole area, there's a hundred staff maintaining it eight hours, sorry, eight and a half hours every day. Wow. It's a big task. Big it task. is. It is a huge task. And there isn't a day that goes by where we say, you know what, there's not that much work to do because you need to have the perfect garden around the most perfect place and most holy place. So well, even that, but plants in general just need a lot of care. Like people who have gardens in their homes, they spend hours a day, like just t- like pruning the, getting rid of the weeds, like pruning the leaves and like, you know, picking the stuff when it's ripe, like all that kind of stuff could take hours and hours of a day, even for a small little garden. That's the size of like a bathroom, right? Exactly. Would, do you have any idea of what the the sizes and like square feet, square meters of, of the, of the garden there that honestly, you guys would think? Honestly, I don't. Well, like in city blocks, if you had to estimate, is like twenty city blocks or something worth of, of space. I'd, I've never actually. I would. I would say at that, least. Actually. I would probably could Google that, but I I'll would say at least. Thought. Yeah, it it requires for each area. For example, there is levels which we call terraces um, mm-hmm. in in the Haifa Gardens, and about two levels. There's five people taking care of those two levels right so and that two those two levels are not just the face there is a whole area of landscaping that is not really shown in the photos but if you really go and look for more photos you'll you'll find them because it's it's out in the public right and you could (laughs) you could really see how big this area is Two hundred thousand square meters is what it says yeah, that's a lot that of sounds massive. It is. <laughs> it is. And I'm I'm not surprised at that number. It's it's huge. There is 160 staff usually like taking care of all of the gardens, right? So it makes sense. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get back into the out of out of the numbers and a little bit into into the feels, if you will. Um so you were there, you were originally going to be there for a year and a half. Yeah, and then what? So your what were your primary tasks? Maybe what 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 we can talk about? Like daily, it. Daily, yeah, your day to day, day to day stuff. Yeah, what was so your, your life like there. Essentially, you would wake up uh, like six ten in the morning, or sorry, six thirty in the morning. That's when okay. you start your uh, shift, and mm-hmm. you go to your crew, which is usually assigned throughout your whole service there. Right. Um. You start with so weekly tasks include like mowing the garden, trimming the hedges, mm-hmm. um, and also like planting or removing plants because every about every two three months we remove all of the flower beds, for example, there and we replace them with new ones. So those are like How throughout often? the How often what? about two three months. So they're like, they're almost like quarterly then or more so. Yeah, basically we actually have different, when I was there, at least they had, um, different, um, types of flowers for each season, actually. 
Nice. So then whenever you come, you can get a, get a different experience. Exactly. And it's for the survival of the plants as well, right? right. In the climate. Um, so those were like the weekly tasks, but then there was areas where we, where we had to go and plant more and expand the garden mm -hmm. um, or clean up the garden itself, right? So it's a lot of maintenance, but then um, monthly tasks really included like landscaping as well. So you really got your hands dirty then, figuratively sure. and literally. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally a style of a comment. So I was doing some Googling while you were chatting. Um, 200,000 square meters is about half the size of Vatican City, which is a country. Um, <laughs> it's about two and a half times as big as Buckingham Palace, or it's about 30% the size of Disneyland, which is a massive, like, basically city in Anaheim. So yeah, that's that's uh, to give people a perspective of the size of this place and how much work it really takes to to get into that. So you mentioned that the gardens are there surrounding some of the holy places of of the Baha'i religion, the Baha'i faith. Yeah. Um, now, what what's the purpose of this of this place? You said people go there on. I, I said you you said people go there from around the world to to serve, but are, are, do other types of folks go there as well? Yeah, for sure. So um, there is pilgrimage groups that all of the Baha'is uh, around the world can apply and mm -hmm. go for a pilgrimage. So that that's a nine day pilgrimage that they usually go through. And they basically visit the Holy shrines where um, the remains of um, Baha'u'llah and the Bab, who are the founders of, um, of the Baha'i faith and the Babi faith yeah. uh, are there. And also they visit the Holy grounds where, um, every where the Holy Family essentially lives. So it's a, it's a it's like a basically it's a it's a tour it's a guided tour of of all the holy sites right exactly that exactly that's that's basically their pilgrimage for nine days mm -hmm. and it's filled with a lot of spirituality and prayer as well and a lot of time time for reflection exactly exactly and yeah, our job for example as gardeners when we were there is to make sure. It's perfect for the pilgrims that were coming and seeing the gardens and seeing basically the holy holy land. And are these places open to the public as well? Yeah, actually, um, public tourists or um, even locals could visit. Like there was certain hours in the day. Obviously, mm -hmm. they can't go to every single place, but for Some example, the right? yeah. yeah, there they could visit the shrine. Um, they mm -hmm. could actually go inside the shrine as well. There's like certain times throughout the day. Yeah. And honestly, thousands of tourists go daily. So, yeah, we actually, a couple of friends, uh, a couple that's a friend, friends with Fernando and I, they, they were in Israel on vacation and they, they were recommended to go there and they had a, they had a, a wonderful time and they couldn't speak any, any more highly of it than they did. And it was really cool to hear that experience from someone who was uh, just going there, not as a Baha'i, but just going to visit there in a purely touristical uh, capacity. And then they said that they could, they could, they could feel the sort of the spirit in, in the air. They could feel the, the vibe of the place was very, was very warm and, and welcoming and, and, and just obviously visually uh, spectacular as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you were, you were mentioning pilgrimage actually. So uh my wife and I were actually planning to go. My wife. So I don't know why it sounded so much like that when I said that. My wife, uh, Fernanda and I were planning to go on pilgrimage, actually. Uh, we were supposed to be there uh, starting on the 18th, I believe, Man, uh, yeah. uh, which tomorrow or the day after. Uh, maybe the 19th it was, uh, the official start date. But yeah, we were supposed to already be in the air and get there. But obviously, because of all this uh, corona stuff that's going on out there, yeah. all of these, uh, these this COVIDious situation that's happening to, to the world, uh, they had to postpone um, the pilgrimage schedule. Exactly, and so unfortunately, yeah. uh, we were looking forward to going for Fernanda's first time. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that will have to wait until a later date. And she's definitely very um, beaten up and sad about it. I shouldn't have used the word beaten up. That's a weird thing to say in the situation <laughs> about my wife. But she's very saddened um, by because she was very, very much looking forward to it. I, I had the, the honor and fortune of going a couple times in my life. Uh, once when I was very young with my parents, or with, I should say with my family, and then once again, 10 years after that, um, alone. And I actually, if I can quickly speak on my experiences, I won't take up too much of your time. But basically, when I went there as a 
teenager, I must have been about the same age as when I first uh, met you in Foundations, that 14, 15, 13 kind of range. Uh, I don't know if I truly appreciated everything that there was to appreciate. Like I, I knew that it was a big deal and I knew that everyone around me was being truly affected. But I don't know if I was that yet in touch with with maybe my soul or my spirit enough to really fully appreciate it. But I think when I went alone, I got to really experience it for myself. And that, at that point, I was in my, my God, when is that? Uh, I don't know. Let's just say mid 20s, just to make it easy. Um, mid to early 20s, whatever you want to call it. I think I was able to go alone and really, really like dive deep and do the things that really interested me. And I think I got a whole different experience just by going. Um, going myself again. So I, I do recommend it to anyone if you haven't gone before. And I also do recommend, um, even if you're going to go, if you're going to that part of the world, just go visit this place. It's it's definitely one of a kind for sure. Yeah. I. It's funny you mentioned that because I went for pilgrimage when I was 15. I had just turned 15, like a couple of months after oh, yeah. I turned 15. And exactly like what you said, it... I didn't really understand everything around me. I was still like, I was, I was a kid. I was trying to learn, but there was only so much information I could take, but a little batch of It's okay. <laughs> but when I went, um, like when I was 18, honestly, I really understood the power of that place. That's and, only a few years later, which is, which is huge growth in, in such a short time. But you actually, in that time, in the three years that like, basically I waited, Yeah. I, I started like doing my research on, on the Baha'i faith in general, and also the Holy Land as well, just mm -hmm. because I, I, at that point I wanted to go. When mm. I was like 15, I was like, hey, this is oh, so something. Oh, mind food from that time. Yeah, that was, it was instilled in me when I was really young. Because after pilgrimage, I talked to a super close friend of ours, John Sorensen. Oh, yeah. And he you had bet, served bet. there as well. Mm -hmm. And he was the biggest, like, support system outside of my immediate family. Yeah. Um, to encourage me to go for service there mm -hmm. and specifically there not just in general right yeah yeah because he he served there as well and he was telling sharing me so many stories and honestly like he he still has friends from the time he served there as well well that's funny because i actually even when i was there only for the nine ten days for the for the quick pilgrimage visit I've, i'm still in touch with many of the people who i went with who i met just who were random people from all over the world that i'd never known before like people from south africa and, and england and uh i don't know I, I can't think of all the countries there were like 12 different countries a lot of them actually happened to be oddly enough oh australia a lot yeah. of commonwealth countries were there at the time i'm not sure why maybe it was just seasonal people want to get away from oh, for sure. whatever it was but it was really cool to to see that and we, i like we had like a facebook group and like every once in a while people would like comment and like say like oh we're thinking about you like sending pictures so it's it's, it's really cool almost like you like you build up a you you have these people who have stuff in common with you all around the world and you don't know about it, but when you meet them, it's almost like you already know them in a weird way. Like you have a lot of commonalities with them. So it's a lot easier, I think, to form friendships in that way. And that's only, listen, that's only for like a nine, 10 day type of experience. I was and just going to imagine say Imagine you saying if you were there for two years, what kind of intense, strong bonds and relationships you would have formed. I still have, like, I'm still in touch with some of my closest friends there um, mm -hmm. from like my first year of service, like from my same orientation, like Adib, Guilherme, Adrian, those guys, like I still keep in touch with, we oh, call them over here. Yeah, nice. seriously. Out, uh, and, and then, Hey, I ended up going to the country that I would, that I said, I don't want to go to because I'm deathly afraid of snakes, Australia. <laughs> I yeah. went twice. One, one time for, my boy's wedding, Faisy, yeah. uh, to his wife, Diana. And then the second time, I just came back like in December, right? Yeah. Um, snakes are, snakes yeah, are crazy. I didn't run into any. Have you watched that Snakes on a Plane movie? Yeah, we're not going to watch that. <laughs> it was pretty funny, I have to say. It just came up. I don't know why, just in my head. Oh, but yeah, I, I used to have a lot of fun teasing you with snake stuff, but I, I stopped doing that because I think oh. you're actually generally traumatized. So I don't want to give you like that. <laughs> 
another another thing I was going to comment on real quick is is um uh, you mentioned that between well I actually mentioned myself that between age of your ages 14 15 to 18 that you had a lot of growth I wonder who else was maybe a little influence in your life during that those, oh. those tender years of yours <laughs> not to, not to oh, shoot my own horn as they say but I think I was I had I had a small oh, hand for sure no, sure. I was seeing you at least once a week. You. Yeah, which is more than enough for anyone. I'm surprised <laughs> my wife can handle more than once a week, to be honest. No, I remember like <laughs> the transition back because when I came back, I was really missing my friends there. Like the guys I mentioned, also like even um, Bayon, who even lives like just south of us in Portland. Mm-hmm. But I was really missing them and i remember like we had that conversation in sfu um and like not to you know boast everything up but you definitely like that conversation that we had Uh i remembered like you really helped me out because you tried to slowly bring me back to reality right you know what i mean so i crushed your dreams is what you're saying no 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 no. not (laughs) not in that sense well (laughs) no i mean because when you're when you're in haifa yeah again you're there because you're there for one goal and everyone else around you is there for one goal as well right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. when you come back there is like work for example that people need to deal with there's school there is so much more than just service exactly and you helped me just to realize that hey you you are back and these are the things that we we need to help you get back into you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and that that's what i meant with like (laughs) bring no i get it and actually reality on that note i just want to say how truly proud i am of the progress you've made since you've been back you've like you've gotten like this a fantastic education you're doing like an awesome career job right now like you're working hard and it's really it really uh shows a lot about your character and who you are as a human being that you've been able to accomplish so much in so little time so again i want to give you a little bit of a pat on the back Uh, this is about you again this this show this this episode we have today so i just want to say that (laughs) Much love and, and respect for all the things you've already accomplished, and I know you're gonna put in, keep putting in the work and accomplish way, way more because you're still hella young and got hella time. Thanks, bro. Honestly, it, none of this. I know it sounds cheesy when I say it, but it does. I can't. I can't really like. I can't really accomplish anything around me if I don't have the support of my friends and family, right? Especially yeah. the ones that are super close to me. Well, family's always been very big to you as well, and that's a very respectable yeah. and honorable thing as well. I've known ever since you were even young age, I knew that you had to do things that were that you know that not necessarily everyone your age had to do at the time because of the situation that you were in. And I think you handled those things masterfully as as best as you could have during those situations. So, good on you for for always putting family first. Thank you. I I got it from my pops. <laughs> <laughs> I got it from my dad. Exactly. Exactly. I wanted you to say that. Yeah, he's, he's a good he's a good he's a good honorable man for sure yeah he, he um, devoted himself to service right speaking so. of your brother too he's made some pretty excellent strides too huh in the last few years like you can really see him like coming into his own and oh, becoming a sure. man and he and he actually wait did he go through the same thing as you did he also go to he also went there right he also went to the holy land he went to high you, you say that because <laughs> he did not want to do that at the beginning yeah, yeah. yeah he, he like he didn't really know what what he was getting into until the first time he came and visited because dad and Milad mm-hmm. came and visited me when I was serving there twice. Mm-hmm. The first time he came, I just brought him into the gardens department and uh, got him to volunteer with us and everything. Oh, nice. And literally he kicked it off with um, with the workers there as well. And he's like, you know what? I might want to do this when I graduate as well. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, he graduated, and he went to the gardens department for even longer than me. He went there for two and a half years. Oh man, that's rough. Yeah, I think I, I understand what it's like to be a younger sibling, and totally, if your if your older sibling is doing something, you kind of want to tend to go the other direction. Not necessarily if they're that they're doing something wrong, but it's just you don't want to necessarily follow in their footsteps all the time. Yeah, uh, for certain things. So yeah, it's, I guess it, it really me- it must have meant a lot to him that he decided to do it, even though that you did go there. 
Oh, for uh, sure. And when I went and visited him as well, he he really showed what he could really do. He he was making the whole family proud as well. Like mm-hmm. he he knew where he was at and how and how he needs to behave and how he needs to also serve right so it we it was a really proud moment as well when we saw him there well definitely more people i'm hoping in this world start to realize that doing things for other people is really really what brings the truest and longest form of 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 happiness and i think if we all start focusing on doing things for let's even start at the smallest like doing things for your neighbors or doing things for people in your neighborhood or your community and then just working your way out from that i think if everyone had more of an outwards focus i think the world would be a much better and kinder and safer and and more beautiful place in general so i do hope more people take take your initiative as well and do that type of thing and serve or volunteer wherever they can uh, Google where you can volunteer, how you can volunteer. There's a lot of organizations, especially these days, with with all the crisis uh, efforts that that need help. So, mm-hmm. you guys are bored at home doing nothing. I'm sure uh, you have some time. You can go out there and volunteer. Uh, I highly recommend it. Oh, I think for, for me, sure. actually, I was thinking about this right before we had our, our our chat right now. Is that two things in my life I found that where I was truly the happiest myself is again a when I went to serve in in Chile. I did my volunteer service for a year in Santiago. Uh, so that that I won't touch too much about that because we are running a little bit low on time, but I did get to experience that sort of service. I went after my second year of university because I don't think I would have been able to handle it right out of high school. I, I think you probably matured, matured a little bit faster than I did at that at, at that age. I think I needed a couple of years of uni to kind of get me grounded and to get me a little bit older and more wiser. And then I finally was able to go. It was actually just the right time for me too because I needed a bit of a refresher and break from 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 school to get refocused. So that was, it came at a perfect time. And then the other thing, obviously just, I guess being Canadian or just being who I am playing hockey is one of those times where my mind just kind of drifts away from any worries that I might have any fears or anxieties. And I'm just truly in the moment where I'm really enjoying it. I think I would say playing hockey and not necessarily like obviously video games, but I mean, truly like playing physically, which I can't do now, obviously being stuck indoors in my one bedroom apartment here, but, <laughs> but basically, but yeah, basically we're not going to talk about hockey too much. Uh, Cause I know we have some differing opinions <laughs> on, on, on some of that stuff. But yeah, but yeah, so hockey and service, I think for me, uh, as as a loyal Canucks fan, for, till till the end. Uh... You know, you mentioned <laughs> that being a true Canucks fan. I just got to put this in. It has nothing to do with service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta say, you know, there's a lot of people that think I'm a bandwagon fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all those people, please. Just know, I've been true to the Penguins since I've ever started watching hockey in 07. It's true. It's true. I never doubted them, and every year I root for them, whether they're down or whether they're up. There hasn't been a lot of down in that organization for the last little while, luckily, which is good, which is good. We see it coming. We see it coming, you know, with with our boys getting a little bit older. Five years. I yeah, you guys have a good five years left at least. But I um, just gotta bring that in there. <laughs> fun, fun fact: so I started watching hockey when I was three or four, and the first team I actually really did love was the Pittsburgh Penguins. There a, you go. A because I love penguins, like as in general the animal. I just I just didn't think they're the coolest animals out there. I don't know why. Uh, B also I think Mario Lemieux was a huge uh, impact for me at the time. Uh, I think he has always been my favorite player. Uh, in general, like out there, out there in the world, outside of the non-Canucks spectrum. So I think a lot of respect for Lemieux, not only for his skill, but also what he's accomplished off the ice, mm-hmm. um, battling leukemia and, and a couple other really huge diseases and coming back and playing and still playing at a high level. And if he had the amount of years that and, and full seasons that Gretzky had, I'm fairly certain they would have been neck and neck in most of the point and, oh, and, and all sure. the goals and, and things uh, in field. So, for yeah, so sure. definitely, I definitely see the love of the Penguins. And then I think after that time, I quickly switched over to the Canucks once I was maybe like, I don't know, five or six after that. And then from then it's been, it's been diehard uh, ride or die, like you said, through the, but I've seen some tough times too. I've oh. seen some tough times during the, uh, what is it, late 90s? Uh, early 2000s, I guess pre pre West Coast Express before Bertuzzi, Naz, and Morrison, that whole uh, those glory days with those guys. But 
Anyways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I had to say that as soon as that that topic came up. Yeah. <laughs> to sum up, those two things were always the things that I think brought me the truest joy, where I could just be doing things without having to worry about other other stuff. So I kind of you get your brain sort of to be like an empty vessel in in one way or the other. I think I really enjoy those moments. Oh, for sure. No, I so, I think yeah. like the truest joy when it comes to the heart it's not like the material things that we get especially mm -hmm. it's the ones that brings true joy to your heart whether it is like the hockey um and seeing like the on and off ice service that every every player does or every organization do, yeah. does yeah mm -hmm. or whether it's you actually putting a smile on someone else's face as well yeah so here's my last question for you um I wanted to know what was your biggest challenge while you were there serving in Haifa and also maybe what's one thing that you were most happy that you were able to take away from that experience? If you can maybe sum up with those two things. I think the biggest challenge for me was leaving. <laughs> but, but, yeah, well, but, we talked about that a little bit, but I mean, once but, you were there, like, like actual like day-to-day -day difficulties that you may have had, I think, while you were there like one big thing that maybe stood out because it couldn't have been all roses yeah, and daisies it, and it wasn't you know and fairies. one thing that i had to really start reminding myself about was where i was because you know when you're there and you're going and you're quote unquote working because you're you're there for service right yeah you're on shift you 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 don't realize where you are so you start like thinking about hey what am i gonna do after i finish right but then when you look up and f when i was looking up i was seeing the shrine of the bob there mm -hmm. and like it started to make sense there was a couple of people there that me and them like we went for lunch and we talked about this and they they, they gave you lunch breaks yeah of course come on. <laughs> <laughs> but but that was that was a big challenge making sure i don't forget where i am yeah and making sure like i still do my best to to surf and that's tough too because for a year and a half having to stay hyper focused on on one goal is is commendable but it's really difficult for people in general because we're, we're very especially in the culture these days with with technology moving a mile a minute or a kilometer a minute if you use if you prefer metric which i do um like you can get distracted so easily like how many times are we watching a movie or a tv show but we also have to be on our phones or also like doing this or doing that like doing our work while we're watching stuff like it's hard for us to stay focused on one thing and i think we're always that it doesn't really give you peace of mind when you're trying to fill time with things as opposed to really slowing things down and really appreciating where you're at in the moment. Like a lot of us don't live in the moment. We always live in, in a fantasy or an outside type of moment. Yeah. But I think that maybe, maybe that gave you that skill of being able to really focus. And it's tough. Like you said, you can't do it all the time. I would, even on the nine days that I was there, the 10 days I was there, I'd, I'd be so into what I was doing, but I'd be like, oh, I wonder where the group of youth that we were hanging out with are going to yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's just natural for us to think of that because you want to have the camaraderie. You want to have those moments too. But I guess while you're working or on, on duty or on shift, I guess it's a little bit, um, it, it makes sense to kind of stay focused on that. Yeah, exactly. No, that was the biggest challenge, but it took me a month to to <laughs> snap out of it basically. I would have to do that every day. I'd have to snap out of that literally every day. <laughs> Maybe once a week if I got lucky that I could like go for a week without losing it. But man, no way. <laughs> no, the way I reminded myself is literally because um, I was on the eighth, I, I was on the eighth terrace. Um, let's let's make sure we emphasize that word properly properly for the people listening. You said the word terrace, right? Yeah, I mentioned R R A C E terrace. Yes. Not yes. the other one that, oh that goes God. boom, we're, right? We're I just want to make there. sure. <laughs> Don't Speaking say of, that. <laughs> like Terrace like Terrace House, the wonderful Netflix show about You know what? Japanese. The eighth level. <laughs> okay, that works. That works. There too. we go. When I was – I had to really remind myself every day by just staring in, at the shrine from the eighth level mm -hmm. for, for a good, like, two, three minutes before I started working. Hmm. 
and to get focused. Oh, and that that helped me at least like for, for throughout the work. Yeah, I I didn't really start like thinking about other things and what I wanted to do afterwards. But that's that's how I kept my focus afterwards. It was tough though. It was for sure tough. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. One quick little detail question before we we do we do the second part of that answer. What, so, what was your what was your daily? You said you got up at six six thirty, yeah. and then and then you have, obviously like give you like maybe breaks every now and again. You got your lunch break. You got your two three minutes to stare at things, uh, breaks as well. But what, when were you off? Like, was it like a legit full on eight hour day? Did yeah, you have to do so you shifts and things you like started you started six thirty in the morning. And yeah. you would finish at four ten in the afternoon. Okay, so it was like a, pretty much a full work day. Did oh, they ever like sure. ask you guys to do like double shifts, or did they ever like switch? Like, how does it work in terms no. of logistics? At four, at four ten, everyone goes home. And okay. um, once a month, when I was there, I, I don't know if things are changed right now, right. but when I was there, once a month, one person from each crew had to come in on a Friday for like about a half day just to like, for example, clean up that area and making sure it's, you know, pretty clean for, for the weekend. Is Friday not a regular work day? Most no. So yeah. So their work, Where are we their here? work week <laughs> yeah? in Israel is from uh, Sunday through Thursday. Shabbat. Yeah. Because of <laughs> the Shabbat, Sabbath, right? ex- yeah, the Shabbat Sabbath. or Saturday, yeah, yeah, because Saturday, Saturday the whole city the shuts down. Easy, my easy. In the words of Ludacris, oh no, yeah. Ludacris, no, no, one of them said that. In one of them, <laughs> the holy scriptures of Luda. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So so it's cool. you got so you had basically Saturday off and then Friday like the second part of Friday off kind of in a way or Friday Saturday were the weekend. Yeah, Friday Saturday uh, were the weekend, but yeah. yeah, like I said once a month just for like half a day from like I guess I don't remember if that it was sense. like a little sense. later in the day or not, but yeah. We shouldn't yeah. talk about the the weekends too much, or otherwise Mr. X might pop in here somehow. You, you don't want me to get <laughs> going on the weekend either. I think, no, I think, I think if you say his name three times, he just appears. I think that's how the old legend goes. Oh, um, okay. So let's, let's sorry. Let's get back to that last. Yeah, no, let's, let's not. Let's not. Let's not. But say we did. Um, so the second part of that question that I previously asked was, what was your greatest takeaway once you left? Like once you came back to reality and you had gained that whole experience in your life. Uh, what was the biggest takeaway? I, you, I know it's a big question. You may not have that ready because I don't ask any of the, any people questions in advance. But in your perspective, what is the biggest takeaway you had from that experience? That's a tough question. Yeah. Well, you got to answer. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't do editing, so don't. Hopefully, there's oh, a lot of great. dead okay. air going on. <laughs> the biggest takeaway, just catching me off guard, is I don't know. I don't know. I've never thought of it, but to be honest with you, it would be to give back. To give back is probably the most important thing anyone... Simple and elegant. Yeah, basically. I I personally think, like, I didn't fully think about a question like that before. Um, Mm -hmm. Just thinking about my service in Haifa, but I'm just thinking in service in general. um, Yeah. Maybe I can break it down. Maybe we can break it down a little bit easier for you. So what is let's let's maybe break it down into two things. One is it what's the the biggest spiritual takeaway? Like what maybe has you grown spiritually by? And also maybe what was the more practical or literal thing? Like like in terms of getting a like a long term lifelong friendships or things like that. Like you know material things, but like also important material things. Because not mm-hmm. just because it's material doesn't mean it's it's immaterial, if you will. Yeah, for. Actually, you know what? I have a quick story that I could share with you that Please could do. hit both both um, both yes. sides of the story. Two birds, one story. Exactly. Stone. So when I was there in the first week of my service, mm-hmm. um, for those that don't know, my my mom and dad are divorced, and like I haven't really seen my mom and my mom's side of the family for since I was basically seven. Wow, um, so, and I, I'm not a fan of like just talking about it even, but since I didn't have that relationship, I found out that I had a cousin that's 
is serving in Haifa when I was going there. So really, yeah, exactly. It was my. It was crazy because as soon as I heard that, I told my dad, I don't want to know a name. I don't want mm-hmm. to know if it's a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. I want to go there just with an open mind in case we become friends. I don't want to have a prejudgment on it. Of course, that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we arrived there and he comes to me and he's like, hey, you're Mushtaq, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm your cousin. I'm like, great. <laughs> that, that plan failed. <laughs> Literally, Damn. it was it was day one. I saw Sama because Sama was there serving at the same time as me. And uh-huh. then it was him that I saw. And yeah. I'm like, oh, God, I, I'm, I'm having prejudgments now in my head. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't know how to deal with it. And before I... I believed in the power of prayer, but I didn't believe like that fully that could that something could affect me right away mm-hmm. or so directly. But as soon as I saw him I, and I was really emotional and I didn't know what to do because I had these prejudgments. Yeah, I went and, and prayed this, this about is your, it. Is this your first cousin? Just to be clear, because I know for my a lot first of, cousin. This a lot is... of Persian families call their sixteenth cousin still their cousin. I no. want I want people to know that you mean like literally like blood, like first. This is cousin. my mom's sister's kid. Exactly, blood. Yeah, blood first cousin. Yeah. Um, and that day, you know, I it was super challenging, so I went to the shrine right away and. I prayed and I really reflected and you know, the next day he comes to me and he's like, look, I know you might feel this way, but just know that I'm personally not close to my mom's side of the family either because we've gone through similar things, maybe not as bad as a divorce, Mm -hmm. but similar situations, you know? And when he said that, I'm like, you know what? Why am I having prejudgments? Why don't mm-hmm. I just actually get to know the guy for who he is? For sure. And, you know, I I don't have cousins around here. Yeah. And I haven't seen my own cousins for many, many years. Why don't I, you know, build a relationship with him? And I really tried. I really did. And that that was that's a huge takeaway. Spiritually and like actually just spiritually a don't mm-hmm. have prejudgments on people yeah and you know pray if it might not come to you straight away um the solution or the help that you need but your test came straight away didn't it the test came straight away Woo. but Lord. if if like honestly if you just pray and just give it a bit of time and reflect on it and think of ways to tackle an issue or a difficulty. You know, God is there to help you out as well. On on top of that, I think as our human nature, it's easier for us to spot differences and negativities and be like be quicker to focus on negativities rather than the positives or rather than the positive potentials. Like I think most people out there these days. Um, is like cup half full type of philosophy where they don't really trust the person. They don't really like a person until they're proven to like them. Whereas maybe more people should have the perspective of giving people the benefit of the doubt first. Right. So yeah. I actually want to ask, so what is your guys' relationship now? Are you guys, do you guys chat? Are you guys it's friends funny. at all? I had never even met my aunt before. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was a baby. But this time when I went to New Zealand, she lives in New Zealand. Thank you so much for saying aunt, like a real human being and not aunt. Thank you so much for being an honorable, dignified person and saying You're welcome. I really appreciate that. Do you also also say zebra or or are you a zebra person? Zebra. Uh, Okay, well, you can't be perfect. No one's perfect, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Those those things are really hot button issues here on the podcast. No, but when I went to New Zealand, yeah. my aunt my aunt lives there as well right so i visited her and it was like the second time i met her and i got to meet my other cousins and this time i had i had really learned my lesson like of not having prejudgments and honestly like now i'm in touch with them like i'm in touch with my actual first cousins that are not from my paternal side right yeah 
So it, that's really great. That's really great that you gave yourself that opportunity. Because if you had shut the door right then and there, you wouldn't have had that future uh, inter- interactions with with your family. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, man. Well, look, we've run a little bit over time, but I doesn't, I didn't, I, I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you so much, so much for being a guest on uh, K One Friends podcast. Uh, we like to keep these little nuggets short and sweet for everybody, but hopefully the people can get through or maybe watch in two chunks if you, if you prefer. Um, yeah, I really appreciate your time. I know, like I said earlier, you're a really busy guy. Again, I'll I'll, re- I'll restate that I'm really proud of where you are now, Thank where you. your bro's at now. And yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe talking soon, seeing you once all this mess is over. For sure, um, for sure. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me and much love, bro. Thanks for, yeah. thanks again. Thanks again I'll, for having me. I'll play us out with your song's choice. Uh, oh. The artist Gashi song called Yesterday. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, that was an interesting start. <laughs> interesting start. <laughs> oh, man. Moshtar's choice of song, guys. <laughs> Awkward bitch! <laughs> You're not letting people hear the song. <laughs> oh god! Good melody, good melody. I'm just laughing the whole background. <laughs> oh man, hold on. We gotta do this again, man. We gotta do this proper. We gotta give Gashi some love over here. Yo, I literally, I literally paused it after I, we did the chorus at the beginning, and then I just, I don't know, I just was going to play it from wherever we left off. But yeah, after that, after that amazing conversation, I don't know, man, you should have chosen a different song, right? No. Not my bad. Right. So let's, you let's played the awkward bit. Hey, it's just YouTube. Don't blame me. All right, so uh, let's try that again. So I'm not editing. I'm not editing any of this, by the way. This is going on as is, but I'm just going to give it a proper ending. Thank for our you. listeners who love our musical oh outros, which may just be me, actually. No one's, no one's commented yet. But anyways, thanks oh. again, Moosh. Uh, some gashy yesterday <laughs> without without hopefully cursing and laughter in the background. I'm going to mute Moosh. <laughs> <laughs> You still laughing? Nah.